All right. Good morning, church family. Everybody doing all right today? You guys good? Come on. If you're thankful to worship God together, be in the house of God, let's give him a hand of praise this morning. He's worthy. Good to see you. If I haven't met you, my name's James. I'm the pastor here at NLC Cabin. I have some visitors in the house. So glad that you guys are here with us. We've been in a series called Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. And the Lord's been helping us out a lot, teaching us a lot. And I know all of us probably face that word on a pretty consistent basis. The culture we live in, the times that we live in, we can all feel overwhelmed from time to time. How many of y'all ever feel overwhelmed? Amen. Whether it's emails or the text, just the information that's coming in, all of us can have a tendency to feel this way. Well, here's the deal. There are, there are some potential hazards that come with over-stimuli and too much information and always things coming at us. There's a video that describes one of these potential hazards that we could face. Let's watch it. Texting and walking, that thoroughly modern epidemic. Look at this guy walk into a wall, or this woman walk into a mall water fountain. And check this out, a bear on the loose, and this man texting almost walks right into him. Bonnie Miller walked off this pier into Lake Michigan and had to be rescued by the Coast Guard. I couldn't let pride stand in my way of warning other people, you know, to not drive and text or walk and text. It can be dangerous. Despite the modern romance with multitasking, the reality is the human brain evolved to do only one thing at a time. To test that, researchers at Western Washington University sent this clown on a unicycle through campus, and only about a quarter of people using their phones noticed him. Only when I got real close up and he was like coming towards me did I really see it. And by the way, in London, so many people are texting and walking, they have decided to pad some of the lampposts. This is out of control, people. There's a lot of different practical ways that we could try to coach you and pastor you to take care of being overwhelmed. Like, try just walking and just walking and not doing anything else. Or just driving and not doing anything else. But the bottom line is, even though we could address a lot of different practical ways that could help you with being overwhelmed, you know, we could point you towards a self-help book. We could teach you about how to have a better life, how to have a better job, a better you in 21 days, a better whatever. We could go through all that, but what we've learned is this. If you don't take care of the root issues of what's causing you to be overwhelmed, none of the practical measures are ever going to help. And over the last couple weeks, that's what we've been doing. We've been looking at how do you take care of what's really causing you to be overwhelmed. In the first week, we addressed our thoughts just talking about how our thoughts will overwhelm us. So how do we, by the word of God, as sons and daughters of the King of Kings, how do we take those thoughts captive and make sure that our thoughts are not dictating everything that's happening around us? And then last week, we talked about what can happen, the roots that can establish themselves in our lives if we don't address being overwhelmed. We will become hopeless we can develop bitterness, and I believe that the Lord moved in a lot of people's lives and gave freedom in that. But today, I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about faith. Because at the end of the day, if we don't 
figure out the supernatural way to deal with the natural causes in our lives, I don't believe we can ever truly get to a place where we're not overwhelmed. There has to be a trust and a faith in God that ultimately helps us get to that place. In Hebrews 11, and that's the chapter we're going to be hanging out in today, so if you want to find that on your app or find that in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, this is what it says in verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, that's really important, okay? Let's look at that. Now, faith is confidence. It's confidence in what we hope for. Now, both of those words are strong words, but it's saying that you have those, you have confidence and you have hope, and then you have assurance about something you haven't even seen yet. That's difficult. I don't know about you, that's hard for me. Like, I, I like, I like the, the strength of those words, confidence, hope, and assurance, and all that sounds great until it says, but you haven't even seen it yet. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I believe that through faith, you will gain tremendous blessings in your life. And I believe that chapter 11 in Hebrews, it lays out these elements of life that all of us would want, that all of us strive for, but ultimately we don't get them without faith. We don't get them without just simple, childlike, trusting in God and having faith in a supernatural God. We don't get these attributes of life that we would all want to have. I believe that the root, one of the root issues of being overwhelmed is that so often we have a tendency to value and follow our feelings before Faith. We allow our feels to control and dictate a lot more of our life than allowing faith to lead the way. So I want to look at this and talk about what it takes or what faith provides to us, what faith will teach us if we allow faith to lead the way. Because in chapter 11, it's gonna talk about all these heroes of the faith, and some of which you didn't know were heroes of the faith, and how time and time again, they had to make the decision that they were gonna trust in the promises of God and let that generate faith inside of them instead of letting their feelings dictate what they were gonna do. I believe the first thing that faith can teach us is a revelation of heaven's plan. Faith teaches us a revelation of heaven's plan. The definition of a revelation is a surprising and previously unknown fact, especially one that is made known in a dramatic way. Okay? Now, every home 
has that dramatic kid. How many of you guys have a dramatic kid in your home, okay? Okay, we've got four. And, uh, but there is one of our children that is a lot more dramatic than the other kids, okay? And now I love, I love when a kid has a revelation about something, you know? It's cute, it's kind of fun sometimes, especially if it's something that is just so innocent and obvious, but it's even more exciting when it's coming from the drama kid. Grayson, our four-year-old, is our drama kid. All of them are a little bit dramatic. They get it from their mother, uh, but <laughs> joking, I'm joking. I'm j- baby, I love you. You're not dramatic at all. At all. It's me, it's me. But Grayson, man, she is dramatic. Like last year, we had her birthday party. And she was just so taken back at the realization that she was going to have a birthday every year. (laughs) Hold on, Mom, are you telling me? I have a birthday party every year. (laughs) Mom, no. Every year, I have a birthday. Well, yeah, baby, every, you turn a year older every year. The day that you were born, it's your birthday. See, so yeah, every year you're gonna have a birthday. <laughs> what? A few days ago, comes running into the house, so excited. Mom, Dad, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. Caterpillars turn into butterflies. (laughs) Butterflies, caterpillars. I love it, the innocence. It's not always fun when there's like a fight or something though. Mom, Dad, Corbin tried to knock my head off. (laughs) Literally tried to rip my head from my body. (laughs) Yeah, we know. Every once in a while, you can get hit with this unknown fact in a dramatic way. You have to know that the heart of your father is for you to be impacted in your life with hope that comes from heaven, with a heaven plan for your life. As much as it's fun for For us, when our kids learn something about themselves or learn something about life or learn something, 
our Heavenly Father is waiting with anticipation to give us these secrets of His plan, of His purpose. But so often we are so consumed with writing our own plan that we have no room for revelation. There's no room for us to receive those things from Him. When we get overwhelmed, we get confused and we lose our way. But God can reveal to you a faith destination. But it's through faith, it's faith in him that lets him see, oh, they trust me for my plan. To reveal my revelation when the time is right. There's a couple ways that he does this. I, I think he wants to give us, first of all, a plan for the storm. Because it's not if, it's when. There is going to be a storm that hits your life. And a lot of times, these are the things that overwhelm us. But I believe that through faith, we have a revelation that prepares our hearts and minds before the storm ever comes. But this is what it said about it in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Okay, it had never rained before. It had never rained before. Uh, Noah is building a boat hundreds of miles away from the nearest body of water. <laughs> Can you imagine? It took him around 100 years to build this boat. Imagine what people were saying. Like, did you hear about Noah? You know, Noah on the shrooms. Noah on the shrooms. He done lost his mind. He's building this big old large object in his front yard. Nobody know what he's doing. Every day, every night, building this thing. He fried his brain. How would you like being Noah's kids? Going to school. Well, hello there. What does your daddy do? He builds arcs. Right, right. Dad, can you please get a normal job? Please. This whole doomsday talk, it's getting around town, and uh, oh, nobody even can believe anything we say anymore. I mean, Noah has this big boat sitting in his front yard for years and years and it doesn't work, which is proof Noah was the first redneck. It's obvious to me. Like, Noah, <laughs> you know, grass growing up over the sides of the boat, the whole deal, just. But even though he'd never even seen rain before, he trusted God. God gave him a plan. You are either going to be hit by a wall of water when the storm comes, or you'll already be standing in your plan and in your boat. But you get to decide, and I don't believe that it happens without faith. And faith, it also gives you a strategy for the fight. A strategy for the fight. And the word says you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And too many of you, you're spending all your time developing plans to fight flesh, to fight people. That's not the plan you need. 
plan you need for your life is how you're going to defeat the plan of the enemy. Because he's got a plan. You better believe it. And he's been developing it for a really long time. But I believe through faith, God will give you a plan for the fight. Hebrews 11.30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Okay, the context of this, the Israelites are coming into the promised land. The, the Lord tells them, look, you're going to defeat all the people groups there. They come to Jericho. Jericho has these huge walls, okay, big enough to drive a chariot on top of them. This huge fortified city, this domineering army. And so all the commanders come to Joshua and say, all right, what's the plan? Well, um, we're going to walk around the city seven times and then we're going to yell at it. <laughs> really? That's, that's what you've got for us. God's plan will never make sense to everyone else around you. You post God's plan on social media, you'll be made fun of. You'll be ridiculed. God doesn't work the way man works when it comes to the fight. He has a plan. Outside of faith, this sounded like the worst war strategy ever developed. But through faith, it was the best plan. But sometimes this is what we do. How many of you ever seen the movie Monty Python Search for the Holy Grail? Okay. Great British comedy, okay? How many of you have seen it? Just so I know that there's like, okay, there's 20% of the audience that's gonna know what I'm talking about. That's okay. I'm gonna still go with it. <laughs> well, in this movie, there's these guys going around. Um, no horses. They 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 walk, they gallop, and uh, <laughs> these guys have coconuts that they bang together and make the sound of horses galloping. Cluck, 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 cluck. And they're on this quest to find the Holy Grail. At one point, they come to this fortified castle. And they decide that they're going to charge this castle. And so they charge the castle, like four of them, with their coconuts and they just start banging their swords against the castle. And then I think like they throw a cow at them or something like that and then they run away. They just run away, run away. But the Lord revealed to me that a lot of times I fight just like that and so do you. I'm like, Lord, what do you mean? I don't appreciate the sarcasm, but what do you mean? <laughs> so often we're trying to use our efforts to battle. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. You ever had like one of your kids, like when they were little, think that they could take you? Some of you got teenagers now, like they still think they can take me. I want to show them something. Every once in a while, Reeves, I love him so much. But he is the skinniest kid 
you've ever seen in his life. Like he has some muscle somewhere, but we just haven't seen it yet. Like it's there somewhere. But he'll just, just come and just charge and just bounce right off of you. Just bounce, just hit, hit you and bounce right off. And you're just like, oh, I just kind of feel bad, you know? Sometimes that's your effort in life too. <laughs> and I think God's like, oh, oh, bless their heart. <laughs> I'll bless their, I bless, I'm, I'm the blesser, I'm God. <laughs> I wish they'd let me give them my plan for the fight. God wants to give you a blueprint for your ark. God wants to give you the best strategy you could ever have for the fight. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. There's so much in that verse, it would take too long to unpack it, but I love the point that says you'll soar on wings like eagles because one thing that you'll see about an eagle is they have a higher perspective. And sometimes that's what we need. God wants to give it to us through his revelation. Instead of a life of stress and tension, let's just choose a life of faith and revelation. Faith also teaches us the value of obedience. The value of obedience. Hebrews 11.8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without even knowing where he was going. What kind of a man is that? We don't like that, right? We like to have control. We like to know where we're going. You guys remember back in the day when we had atlases and paper maps and a navigator? Remember the fights? Weren't those fun? We know Jesus can save any marriage, but second on the list is GPS that has saved more marriages than any <laughs> Counselor, I don't care how great of a psychiatrist, psychologist you are. Siri saves marriages. Just because we have to know where we're going, and if we don't, we start losing it, going crazy. But there will come a point where you just don't know where to go and what to do, and it's going to take you walking in obedience, even though you don't know where you're going. And only faith puts you in a position where you can say, okay, all right. I don't want you to know, so often we feel like, man, God's just kind of put me out there by, on my, by myself. He's just left me on it. There's a finger to everything out. Look at that. He's a good father. When your kids are little and they were learning to cross the street, you didn't like sit back. All right, when you get up to the street, walk to the edge. Stop. Okay, yeah, make sure there aren't any cars going. Ready, go. <laughs> we didn't cross the street and then try to yell back directions. Okay, just do what I did. Come on now. Look both ways. Follow me. Come on. No, you... Hey, we have to be careful. 
we got to look both ways and make sure there aren't any cars coming. Okay, hold my hand. Hold my hand. Yeah, I know there's a squirrel over there. Okay, that's... <laughs> butterflies are pretty. Yes, they are. Okay, but we're crossing the street. Okay, come on. And you walk. Obedience is tough, but you have to know that there's a Heavenly Father that will walk with you through your process of obedience. He's not just leaving you out there. But you have to have faith that he knows what he's doing. Can we just trust that we have a God that knows where he's going and what he's doing? Well, I believe that faith is the only thing that puts us in a position to finally say, okay. God gives us confidence. Faith gives us confidence to be obedient and to follow. Faith also shows us the miraculous. Many times we're overwhelmed because we continue to look for earth solutions to things that only have heavenly solutions. We get overwhelmed because we're looking at things that we think, man, there's just, there's got to be a natural, scientific, explainable way that this is going to get fixed. And in reality, it's only something heaven can fix. Only God can fix it. Hebrews 11, 11, and by faith, even Sarah, when she was past childbearing age, way past, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Okay, now hold on. We got to just slow down on this, okay? Because this is miraculous, but it is also incredibly disturbing. Because Sarah was like 80 years old. Okay, now y'all remember when you were little and you go to your parents' room and it was locked and there's like a do not disturb sign on the door. Okay, well, this is not your parents. No, this isn't, this isn't your grandparents. This is your great grandparents with the door lock and a do not disturb sign. What are Grammy and Peppy doing? I don't, we can't, I don't want it. Out. Uh, it's just defying physics and everything. I mean, just not good. Physically, naturally impossible. But the promise still stood. It didn't matter what the natural said. Are you going to remember the promises of God in your life no matter what your, sur your surroundings look like and your situation looks like? And can you by faith believe that in spite of what the natural says, that there we serve a supernatural God that can bring a miracle? Man, you want to see a miracle. That's fine. Guess what? You had, it's faith that allows you to see the miracle. But I believe so often what we do is like we're in the middle of it and all of a sudden like now I've got to muster some faith. Walk in faith. Walk in faith so you can believe on a consistent basis when something happens that God can work a miracle. It's our faith that activates the promises of God and allows him to move in a supernatural way in our life. When there are no earthly answers, we've got to cling to the hope that we have in heaven, a miraculous God. It's only through faith that we can have that. For sacrifice. Faith teaches us sacrifice. Hebrews eleven seventeen. 17. 
By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He had embraced the promises and was about to sacrifice his one and only son. The promise was that God was going to give him an inheritance and a legacy through his only son. He'd embraced the promise. But because he had embraced, more importantly, the person who gave the promise, he's getting ready to sacrifice his one only son. Even though God had said to him, it was through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. In other words, okay, I'll kill him, but I know his promise is true. So I believe that even if I kill him, he'll just raise him from the dead because his promises are true. His promises are true. But you know what? I'm going to live in a place of sacrifice. I'm going to live in a place where I trust God with everything I have. So often we're overwhelmed because we are constantly trying to control what belongs to him. We're trying to control our finances. We're trying to control our kids. We're trying to control our future. We're trying to control their future. All those things belong to him. The moment that you understand that through faith you understand true sacrifice, that's when you really get to live. That's when you really get to live in a place of peace. That peace that transcends understanding. That's when you discover that. When you understand a lifestyle of sacrifice. Trusting God. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing. No exceptions. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things in prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God. And then the peace that transcends understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. In the words of the most famous song ever written, let it go. Let it go. And let God. He's got it. Number five, courage. Faith teaches you courage. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. 27. By faith he left Egypt, talking about Moses, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Now, here's the encouraging thing about Moses. He didn't start off with the faith. Because at one point, he's walking through the wilderness. He sees a burning bush not being consumed by the fire and a voice of God coming out of the bush. And he sees all this, and then here's this command from God, and then says, but God, I don't talk well. I'm sorry, if I saw a burning bush that wasn't being consumed by fire and the voice of God coming from it, I'd be like, God, what do you want me? I'll do cartwheels. I will do whatever, I believe, I'm good. But even Moses struggled. He struggled, but ultimately he saw God work. He saw God work and it gave him the courage in spite of his insecurities, in spite of his inability, he trusted in God's ability and it gave him courage to step out. Remember Peter? Remember Peter stepping out from the boat. Remember the faith that he had to walk on water? Well, here's the deal. His eyes were on Jesus. He had all the faith in the world. He started looking at his circumstance. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to sink. Get your eyes off of the circumstance, off of the waves, off of the storm. Put it back on Jesus. He'll give you courage again. He'll give you faith again. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I remember when I, I went skydiving. <laughs> I was already nervous, okay, because I come across like I'm afraid of nothing. But this was, this was making me a little bit nervous, okay? I'm like, man, was not given wings. Uh, why do you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? You know, all this stuff. And, 
And I remember showing up to this place, and I was always already a little bit nervous. And then this guy, I think his name was like Jimmy or something like that, comes walking. He's like real wiry, like real excited. He's like, hey, man, how you doing today? He had like three facial hairs. And he's just like so excited. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, man, I think I'm the one jumping with you today. This guy was like seven inches shorter than I was, 120 pounds sopping wet. And I'm like, I mean, like, it seems like I'm basically tying Jimmy the weight to my body and then plunging myself to my inevitable death. You know, it's just like, this is not good. So, but I'm like, all right, I'm committed. And I had peer pressure around me. This other guy's jumping with me. So we get in the plane, we start climbing and 12,000 feet in the air. Jimmy's like, all right, let's do this thing. Time to get clipped in. He takes these four carabiners that you can get at your local Lowe's for $2 (laughs) and clips me to it. And then we shuffle over to the door. And he says, all right, cross your legs, cross your arms, give me a little tap on the shoulder and we'll go. He's like, hang out. So there I am hanging out of a plane at 12,000 feet with my legs crossed, my arms crossed, strapped to Jimmy like a baby Bjorn, a giant toddler. All right, just give me a little tap, tap. I'm like, I don't know, no, no, tappy, tappy. <laughs> All right, cross your legs, cross your arms, give me a little tap, tap. No, no, Jimmy, no tap, tappy. <laughs> but I finally did it. <laughs> and after the first two seconds, every fear that I had previously had went away. And then I just was like, I'm the man. You're the man, Jimmy. Shave your three hairs. Falling down through clouds and stuff. Like, this could be heaven. It was awesome. It's always that second, right, when you're at the edge of something God is asking you to do that's the scariest. This is for some of you. It's time to cross your legs, cross your arms, tap, tap, and jump. Quit making excuses. Trust. Faith gives you courage. Quit waiting at the edge. Jump. Jump. God will give you courage. God also gives you provision. Hebrews 11.29, by faith the people passed through the Red Sea on, as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Sometimes we're overwhelmed because we're constantly trying our way instead of resting in his way. You go down to the beach. Ever been on the beach and you see like the kind of like the psycho mom or dad building the sandcastle. Like they've got like official sandcastle building tools with them. Okay, raise your hand if you are that mom or dad. You're kind of, it's kind of crazy when it comes to that, building the sandcastle. But this is the thing. Like you always see this. Like these people are building these things for hours. Hours. And I'm just sitting there thinking, look, the tide is coming, dude. 
but I've seen these guys like the titles start coming in and their family's there the kids are there the kids are like oh now there's water coming to the parent whoever's just like throwing sand as fast as they can trying to build a molt around their castle like this will save the castle I'm like dude's trying to beat the ocean like the ocean gonna win dude see so many of you doing the same thing in your life. You're trying to beat a sea of issues. Working so hard. Why don't you just let God part your sea? Let God part your sea. Let God part that water. Quit striving with your own ability and allow God's provision through faith. Let God provide you need. Trust him in that. Number seven, this is the best one. We're going to close right here. Faith shows you grace. Faith shows you grace. Hebrews eleven thirty one. By faith, the prostitute Rahab. Remember, heroes of the faith. Heroes of the faith. Prostitute. Hero. God's math never equals our math. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she was welcomed, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now, if you remember the story, the spies were sent into the land to to scope this thing out uh, in a dangerous place, and so they went into the city, and and then this, this prostitute Rahab hid them so that they wouldn't get caught and killed. I don't know how it is for you, but in my life, I always want to be, I want to be the spy, right? Like I'm the warrior. Godly man. Reality is we are all the prostitutes. Because every one of us at one point or another have sold our hope and our peace and our confidence in God for momentary pleasures. Every one of us. Every one of us is the prostitute. I know that's not the most encouraging thing you're going to hear today. But it's true. And I see two types of people. I see the people that strive so hard and think that they're strong enough and good enough to try to find themselves on the right side of the story as the spy. Oh, man, that is going to wear you out. Newsflash. Yours, mine, and every person is a story of grace and nothing else. You can't earn it. You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And then I see those that are so consumed with their shame and their guilt. I've sold myself so easily, so many times. How could I have grace again? And I would say embrace your imperfection. Because the enemy's gonna come at you and the enemy's gonna tell you and remind you how many times you fell into that sin, you fell into that trial. You, he's gonna come and say, look, see, you're, you're dirty. You don't deserve it. This is my response. You know, you've got a point there. I don't deserve it. But I'm not wrapped in my shame. I'm wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. 
And thanks be to God, he sees me like he sees his own son. And so you say whatever you want to say, Satan. You're right. I'm broken and I'm messed up and I'm dirty and I'm all those things. But God doesn't see me that way and that's all that matters. God sees me as someone he loves and he wants to restore and he wants to heal. So get the freak out of here, Satan. God's faith gives us grace. It's time for us to rest in our imperfection, to receive his perfection. Just receive it. Let's pray together. Close your eyes, bow your heads. The very next chapter, Hebrews 12, starts with, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set for us. We do this to keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. This is what God has for you. If you're here today and you know that you're weighed down, maybe because you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you know that he's not your Lord and Savior, I want to give you a chance to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe rededicate your life to him. I don't know where you're at on that spectrum. You just have to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest before God. He knows anyway. <laughs> he knows anyway. He knows exactly where you're at. But I will say this, faith is also action. Faith is action. You can't just say you have faith. You have to you show that you trust. You show that you have faith. And for some of you, you need your first step of faith. And that's to admit that you need a savior. I promise if you'll do that, he's going to show up. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you need to rededicate your life to him, nobody looking around, if that's you, will you put your hand up right now? I want to pray with you. If that's you, as soon as I see you, you put your hand down. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yeah, I got it, buddy. Anybody over here? Yeah, I, had, I saw you. Anybody else? Yes, sir, there at the back. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Got it. Anybody else? I need to get right with Jesus today. I'm gonna to take my first step of faith, my first step towards not being overwhelmed anymore by the world, by my own mistakes, my own sin, but to embrace the grace of Jesus. Anybody else? Okay. Father God, I thank you for those few folks who raised their hand. I think you're meeting them right where they're at, right there in their chair, God. You can have a simple conversation with him. You have to, to confess that you're a sinner. Just say, I know that I'm a sinner, Lord. I know that I can't save myself, but I believe by faith that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I ask Jesus, you forgive me of my sin. Right now, I confess you as my Lord. I want you to have control because I know if I'm in control, I'm in trouble. I want you to have control. I give my life to you. I surrender to you. Save me from myself. Save me from my sin. God, help me.
God, I wanna believe, but help me with my unbelief. I wanna live for you. I wanna live according to your purpose, your plan. God, for all of us, Father, we thank you that you're a supernatural God. God, we thank you that the faith, we thank you that the miracle, the provision, the peace, everything that we need for life is just on the other side of our faith in you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that every one of us would increase in our faith. We thank you, God. Your word says if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, it's not the size of our faith, it's the size of our God. But God, we wanna have more faith. We wanna trust you. We wanna trust you more easily. We don't wanna resist as much as we usually do. We wanna, we wanna be obedient, God. When you ask us to go, that we can go even though we don't know where we're going. We wanna trust. We thank you, God, that you have showed yourself to be faithful over and over and over again. We can trust in your promises. We surrender to that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand if you're thankful for his word. Let's stand together.